This is Laura looking for love, and today's podcast title is Hair. So as a baby, I was very curious about human behavior and interpersonal relationships. My mom told me when I was older that even before I could talk, I would stare at people in the streets for hours, observing their actions and the way they interacted. And by the time I was five years old, I knew about love. I saw it in the cartoons and in the fairy tales. I knew Snow White and I knew Prince Charming. But I also knew that in all the romantic love stories I saw, physical beauty was a key factor in receiving that idealized love. And what defined physical beauty when I grew up in Los Angeles in the late 70s, early 80s, were fair skin, big eyes, and long flowy hair. I remember very vividly one moment of my life at age five, looking to a small circular mirror and trying to define what made me ugly. I came from a people who had been vilified during World War II, and even before I was old enough to see the propaganda of the cartoon images of Japanese Americans with rat faces, slant eyes, and buck teeth, I did see the stereotype of the ugly Asian in morning cartoons during shows like Bugs Bunny. And while I looked at my reflection through the mirror, I remember not wanting to be Asian, because being Asian meant being ugly. And if I was ugly, how would I find love? But as a five-year-old, I wasn't sure what made me Asian. I looked at all the features on my face, from my eyes to my lips, and isolated from one another, I didn't see anything that struck me as ugly. So I focused on the one part of my face that was different from the rest. It was my little mole above the left side of my upper lip. I thought, this mole is ruining my face. If I didn't have this mole, I wouldn't be Asian, and I would be beautiful, like Snow White. Several years later, Madonna and Cindy Crawford made that same mole something to be desired. People even started drawing in fake moles just to be stylish. And it was no longer a mole, but a beauty mark. And as Asian immigrant families started moving into the suburbs of L.A. where I grew up, the San Gabriel Valley, I no longer felt like an outsider. In fact, the influx of immigrants to our community happened so fast that I don't even remember feeling bad about being Asian beyond that one memory at age five. I was lucky in that way to have resolved that false race connection to beauty early on, and I was lucky to never have been bullied about my looks in school. Margarita Elementary School was a really special place where Asian and Latino kids coexisted, playing together, protecting one another. It was a place where by the time we were in maybe fourth grade, the cutest boy in school happened to be Japanese American, and to this day, all of the Latina girls still have a special place in their hearts for Asian boys. So shout out to my friends from Margarita Elementary School. We were the lucky ones. Now, in 2017, there's much more awareness of the beauty that exists within all races. But despite this, the original criteria of beauty that I observed as a child still exists within each race's standard of beauty. Fair skin, big eyes, and long, flowy hair. So now, an Asian woman can be beautiful in America. A black woman can be beautiful in America. A Latina woman can be beautiful in America. The beauty that always existed is now recognized on a more mainstream level. However, the Asian American woman with fair skin, bigger eyes, and long flowy hair is considered more attractive than the Asian woman with the dark skin, small eyes, and short hair. And this is true across the board. The shadism, the degree of femininity measured by hair length, eyelash length, etc. And I can discuss all of the criteria, but today... It's all about the hair. And I was inspired to do this podcast on the topic of hair because of a friend of mine named Kylie. So Kylie and I met a few years ago at a craft event in Little Tokyo, and we see each other a few times a year at various events. And this past weekend, we both participated in a holiday craft fair and fundraiser for a local school. So as I was just getting settled, putting up my displays, she approaches my booth, and I look up and see that she shaved her entire head. It was a buzz cut about an inch all around from her scalp. And Kylie has these really cool plastic 
framed glasses. And when I saw her, I felt so inspired because not only did she look amazing and so cool, but she really owned her beauty and I I could see that. And because she owned it, she literally has never looked better. And what made me super enthusiastic about her new hairstyle was that it wasn't typical of what we usually see. Beauty often follows trends, magazines, social media, celebrities. It's fad conscious and it's often expressed in masses, in herds. And the irony is that in a culture that often craves standing out for a beauty, we often do so in a way that makes us look like everyone else. And also Kylie is Japanese American and as a Japanese American woman, not only do we navigate our beauty within mainstream America, but we also must navigate it within the rules of our own culture which also has the female requiring certain aspects of beauty. So if you look at the concept of the geisha woman in Japanese history, and you see the painted white faces, the red lips, the long hair neatly formed in a bun, and the restricting yet feminine kimono-style dresses, you get a sense of the history of beauty in Japanese culture. And there ain't nothing in there about shaving your head for a woman, right? I mean, that just doesn't fly in the cultural context of beauty in Japan. And not that we live in geisha times and everyone's walking around like that, you know, it's modern times now, but culture is strong and stereotypes and roles persist for much longer than what is often outwardly visible. So even when it's not blatant and obvious, there is this residual programming that continues to tell us that certain things are beautiful and that as women, we should embody. So there were two images that popped in my head when I first looked up at Kylie. One was the image of Demi Moore as G.I. Jane. I don't remember if I watched that movie, but I remember her look. And what was cool about Demi Moore was that she was the epitome of beauty at the time. And even when she shaved her head, she was still feminine and beautiful, but she also was powerful and strong. So there was this concept that women could be both without the need to follow the mainstream standard of beauty. And also what was cool about Demi Moore was that even before she shaved her head for that movie, years before, she rocked this really cool short haircut for Ghost, and she was still really beautiful. And I actually tried that Ghost haircut for a while, probably several years after the movie came out, but my mistake was I went to Supercuts, and I told the stylist, who was an Asian woman, not Asian American, but Asian from the motherland, and maybe about 60 years old, that I wanted her to cut my hair like Demi Moore and Ghost. And there were no cell phones or internet back then where I could show her a picture. And her English wasn't so great. She just nodded, and then she went to town cutting my hair. When it was all over, I looked in the mirror, and I had this rice bowl haircut, and I look nothing like Demi. So yeah, whenever I see a woman who can rock a shortcut, I get super happy because it was an epic fail for me. But the difference between what I tried to do and what Kylie did was that I was trying to be someone else. Even though at the time, in my jaded period, when I was um, maybe my late teens, early 20s, and I was trying to fight the power, and you know, I was going against the mainstream of having long hair, of that the concept of long hair is beauty, but I was still using a famous person who was beautiful to be my standard of beauty. I hadn't yet discovered at that time of my life my own way to be that was comfortable for me. And I was testing it out on other people's styles to see what fit. And with Kylie, she just did it because she wanted to. Even when people said, oh my God, don't do it, just don't. Because really, there is no person she's trying to copy. There's no supermodel or actress that she's trying to emulate. And so because there is no person that says it's okay, everyone was telling her, don't do it, don't do it. And because she knew she wanted it and no one else told her to do it and she wasn't following someone else, it was all her own and it worked. Okay, so there was another image um, that I had said. There was two images that it reminded me of. And the second image was one of my favorite singers of all time, Ani DeFranco, and her self-titled album cover. 
It's black and white and has just her face with parts of her arms in front of her and one hand on her head. And her face is super relaxed. She's looking at something out in front of her and thinking, but in a very peaceful way. And underneath, it just has her name written. It's super bare and her head is shaved, a buzz cut very similar to Kylie's. And the reason I loved Ani DeFranco so much at that time as an artist was because she was always true to who she was. She wasn't swayed by mainstream culture. She could have been swayed by money and fame because she's super talented. And there were record companies that wanted to work with her and mold her, but she turned it all down so that she could have full creative control of her music and not compromise for record sales and marketing. And Ani DeFranco, no matter how she changed her look throughout the years, she was always beautiful. And looking at why this was so was because she was really aligned with her spirit and her truth. She knew who she was and what she wanted to use her gifts for in this lifetime. She owned her creativity and went for it full force. And I say in past time, she continues to do that. But the time that I was constantly listening to her music was when I was in my 20s and just searching for answers and using her as kind of this guide of how I wanted to be. So when people own their gifts and are true to themselves, beauty naturally radiates from them. So final thoughts, hair and beauty. As women, we spend tons of money on our hair maintenance, hair products, treatments, because we've been taught not only that physical beauty is important, but that physical beauty will make others like us and eventually love us. And when we feel loved, we feel happy. We all want love. This isn't to say we shouldn't pamper ourselves, go to the salon, because it's all part of the joy and fun of being a woman. Or a man, for that matter. It's not gender exclusive. It's creative. I personally love makeup. I love accessories. I love all of that fun stuff. However, there is a difference between doing things for fun and needing to look like someone other than ourselves. And with the latter, you might just end up staring at yourself in the mirror with a fresh bowl haircut thinking you should have left well enough alone. That you look pretty damn good before you tried so hard to be that person you thought was cooler than you for that moment in time. But that's life. And we learn. Boy, do we learn. Okay, people, so until next Friday, subscribe if you like the podcast to get weekly updates. And for info on the empowerment services that I offer, visit bonsaibabes.com. And if you want to share your haircut horror stories, comment on any of my social media channels at the Bonsai Babes. Thanks for listening, and I will be back here next week.